0: They did this to you. They're trying to turn us against each other. Just look
1: at them. What do they know about friendship anyway?
0: I'll get them. You watch. I'll take care of those sons of bitches. Watch it, Alan, I'm shooting.
1: Oh, good lord. It's... It's unbelievable. It's... It's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure sexual rite or... With the almost profound respect...
0: Getting very careless. Blood in your hair. What will we do? You want to look pretty, don't you? Pretty for me.
1: I can't believe you're not afraid. All you have to do is piss on it. could you kept blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph. Get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. Evil.
0: Down my leg. God, my leg. I
1: hate You. There's a fog bank out there.
0: Messenger of
1: God, you
0: do, doomed if you stay here. Demanding everything, including blood. John, I want this material burned. All of it.
1: The one who pulled me underneath the water. Then he's still there. Used servant. I think you will all
0: meet again. <laughs> in hell. I'd have mercy on his soul. He was one ruthless son of a bitch.
1: Wendy. <laughs> Darling. Light of my life. I'm
0: not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. I'm gonna bash him right the fuck in. <laughs> Well, Dad, are you proud of me now? Do I measure up? Huh? My son, my son was a son of a bitch. And he was no good. That's it. My son is dead. I don't want to talk about him no more. See me.
1: Oh see me. Oh, You're gonna die. Elliot!
0: Elliot! Major Latrimaro. Ma'am. Major He didn't find any boy. You know as well as I do, he takes all kinds of critters to, to make, make farmer and fritters. <laughs> I wonder who the real cannibals are.
1: So I'm here with uh, Art Ediger, um, editor of Ultraviolet, huge fan of Maniac. And since we're doing the retro year of 1980, I wanted to bring people on that uh, for movies I've already covered, to maybe add some layers and stuff about a movie that everybody loves, so Maniac, and also we'll talk a little bit about 1980 as a whole if that's cool. Sure, so uh, I mean, I'm uh, talking about the plot of Maniac's gonna be rather silly, I'm pretty sure everybody's seen it. 1980 movie, William Lustig's directorial debut, as far as a, a normal film, I don't want to say porn's not normal, but as far as that's concerned, starring legendary character actor Joe Spinell in a rare starring role. Carolyn Monroe is also in it. Special effects by Tom Savini. Need I say more about a serial killer? Some people consider it a slasher. Um, I, I probably would as well. So I guess that's the kind of rundown on Maniac.
0: Maniac is truly a classic. I feel as though, besides it being such a hit theatrically, people in my generation who grew up in the video store era, Maniac was unavoidable ultimately eventually you're going to rent maniac it's just a question of when and at what point in your development as a horror fan are you going to watch it but it is not a um was not a hard to find title let's put it that way it was like basically everywhere tapes existed there was a copy of maniac on media home entertainment and Most of us saw it fairly early on in our time as um, VHS renters.
1: So So you didn't get to see this one in theaters. When did you start visiting kind of theaters regularly?
0: So I was born in 1975. And from a young age, as a little kid, I was obsessed with Siskel and Ebert, with sneak previews on PBS. That premiered the year that I was born also so I don't remember life without it. And when asked as a little kid what I wanted to be when I grew up, I always said the same thing, which was, I want to be a movie critic. And for some reason, the adults in my life, I'm not trying to badmouth my parents, my parents are wonderful people, but everyone kind of laughed at it, like, oh, how cute, like, but um, I don't know, compared to the bullshit other kids want to be like a fireman or a pig or whatever, like, I don't think that wanting to be a movie critics that weird or something that needed to be scoffed at. But, um, I, uh, I would look at also my parents got both the New York times and the Buffalo news. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. And so we would get both of those papers every day. And I would look at the movie ads from before I could read. So before 1980, even I was already looking at the movie ads and, um, Was fascinated by them. And I didn't start going to movies regularly, regularly until I was old enough to go without an accompanying adult. So starting in the fifth grade, I had a couple of friends whose parents like mine were comfortable leaving us at the movies. And then the very next year, starting in the sixth grade, I was able to get into R-rated movies without an adult being with us. So that was 19. The sixth grade school year was 86, 87. The first R-rated movie I went into without a parent was um, uh, Witchboard in the sixth grade.
1: Like but Maniac yeah.
0: came out when I was five years old. I did not get to see it in its initial run. I would have rented it sometime on VHS in middle school, probably in the sixth or seventh grade. So... 86, 87, 88, somewhere in there. um My best guess.
1: What really cracks me up about it is you mentioned that you wanted, you, you were a big fan of Cisco and Eber. And of course, they, infamously shit all over Maniac and in 1980 there was also Friday 13th they shit all over.
0: Here comes the movies that aren't so funny because here's Spot the Wonder Dog leaping into the balcony to help us pick out the week's worst movies, The Dogs of the Week. Well my dog certainly isn't a laughing matter, it's Maniac, a disgusting horror show that forced me out of the theater after only 30 minutes. Maniac is a repulsive story of a berserk killer in New York. This is an extremely brutal film that thoroughly grossed me out and what sent me out of the theater so early was the scene where we see a head hit by a shotgun blast and it explodes in slow motion.
1: And I, I remember when I listened to the commentary, when I rewatched Friday 13th, of course, I listened to the commentary and stuff and heard uh, them tell the story about how Siskel and Ebert gave away Betsy Palmer's address to have basically people write her and tell her how ashamed she should be. So if anybody's using Siskel and Ebert as like a moral compass to what's right and wrong, um, they can, you're fucking insane because <laughs> they're not good people when it comes to that. Making a horror movie that's violent um, is much safer than telling someone's address publicly and shaming them that's that's some next level stalker yeah,
0: absolutely absolutely um
1: yeah i mean like i did you ever get to meet joe spinel you would have been fairly young and he died in 89 so what was that five plus nine you would have been 13 14
0: yeah i did not get to meet joe spinel uh i know that he was at some conventions before i was going to them but no i never met joe spinel and that's very sad to me he would have been someone i would have loved to have met and, and that's kind of the coolest thing about like
1: listening to the back to like just the Lustig commentaries and stuff I'm sure you met William Lustig I never have I'm, I'm you meet everybody so and like the commentaries and shit just hearing how cool Joe Spinell was is such a larger than life character right
0: yeah everybody says the same things about Spinell I know that um, my friend Sage Stallone who died young because of Sylvester Stallone's friendship with Spinell Sage who was Um, just a year younger than me he got to know um, Spinell pretty well as a child which is a very cool thing Um, and you know I've talked to Caroline of course about Spinell talked to Lustig about Spinell everyone says that he just was like the sweetest coolest dude imaginable and I don't doubt it uh, from you know what I've heard so
1: so, I mean, your general thoughts, uh, What is there anything that you've never really heard people talk about when it comes to Maniac, except, you know, just the spinel performance, the sleaze, the, the New York aesthetic, all that kind of stuff is just like, a, it's pretty much the surface level stuff people talk about.
0: I I think that while it's mentioned in the commentary tracks and in the interview that I conducted with Caroline for Blue Underground, I don't think that it's often um, highlighted as as interesting of a fact as I think it is, which is that Caroline Monroe was cast really last minute. She was at a convention in 1979, and Daria Nicolodi, who was supposed to play that role, had to cancel. And at the last minute, Savini and Spinell approached her at this convention and talked her into the part, which like she accepted and then like started shooting on Monday. And that's a very renegade, interesting fact about Maniac. That I, I also think it sort of lends seriousness to the conventions that we all know and love that like sometimes things actually do happen at them as far as like what one thinks of as like a professional element of a convention, right? Like the fact that Caroline Monroe was cast in Maniac by virtue of being at a convention that weekend. It must have been a famous Monsters convention. I don't know that for sure, but I've always believed that it was a famous Monsters convention. Um, If I'm not mistaken, those were the only horror conventions at that time. Maybe it wasn't a horror convention. Maybe it was like a sci-fi convention that had some horror guests. But um, that is how she was cast in Maniac, which is something that even though it's out there, I, don't, I just don't think people talk about it that much Um wow.
1: that is kind of strange too because she was kind of the hammer girl she's in a couple of hammer movies and then she went on to do a couple another spinel one but it seemed to put her I don't want to say like added her into like more sleazy films she was in Slaughter High after that
0: and stuff well she was a Bond girl already yeah. too I mean she had she had done a lot and um, she had already been Star Crash with Spinel, which is how they yeah. got her on board because she already knew him and loved him so
1: So, you know, people bring up a lot of, like, movies that you feel like Maniac were inspired by. And a a lot of, like, the aesthetic probably, you know, Lustig was watching a lot of Italian movies. So I see that. But if you had to name some older films, like, of course, Psycho, right? And maybe maybe uh, Mario Bava's Hatchet for the Honeymoon are the ones that come to mind for me when I look at it aesthetically and just some of the stuff in there. Right. I mean, plot-wise, not aesthetically, I should say.
0: Aesthetically, like, he specifically points to certain scenes being inspired by certain moments in other movies. He is a very um, l- Lustig is a very honest filmmaker and in that commentary he just blatantly reveals like there's the amazing scene on the subway and he talks about part of the inspiration coming from a real life experience he had but then when she's like running into like the turnstiles that's just like lifted from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's where he got the idea. I shouldn't say lifted from, but like strongly yeah, inspired by, or like, you know, the jump scare at the end. Every movie had to have a Carrie moment, you know, um, at that point, as, you know, Friday the 13th did as well. But um, he also took Caroline to see Halloween. Like that same weekend when they were casting her, it was like, this is what we're trying to do. This is what's going on. This is what modern horror is. So I think Halloween and Texas Chainsaw were big influences on him at the time. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, it is a slasher movie. I don't think that they intended it to be as sleazy or grimy as it comes out feeling to most viewers. But it's a mix of sort of a slasher movie and we'll, um, the genre that is usually referred to as like serial killer movies or like stories focused on a serial killer type individual, just sort of distinct from a slasher movie sometimes or oftentimes in slasher movies, the killer is nameless, faceless. Like, and it's really just about the effects and the kills, where, which of course, Maniac is largely about that as well. And Savini's work, and it is some of his best, if not his best. Yeah. The um, from you know, well, and of course we'll talk about that. But he, um, his work in um, Maniac is nothing short of brilliant. Um, it's absolutely pinnacle effects work. And you know, um, when he explodes his own head, that's one of the most remarkable gore effects ever. And as a side note, Savini is very i think um underrated as an actor i really like him in romero's martin i which is probably my favorite romero film now i don't know that it you know it was in the past but yeah yeah i think it is today and um i think, I think savini can act um and he's um you know his little bit part in maniac is incredible and the story of how they shot that scene is incredible yeah. of course too.
1: it's a classic story with the the gun in new york city and all that but I got to give it up for Savini's acting in Night Riders, which is an underrated sure. Romero movie, and that's that's the one performance where I was like, dude, this dude is like legit. Could have just went and been a yeah. famous
0: actor. Of course.
1: Sure. Um, so we got a lot of Joe Spinell was super busy in 1980. He had I don't know when he filmed them all, but he had five movies released in '80. I don't think he ever had a year that was as he had a couple that were as prolific, or but not uh, you know over it. But so like he, he made like a few sleazy or crazy 1980 movies. Um, but his performance as that kind of the maniac, of course, uh, Frank Zito, how would you compare it to other maniacs from that year, including Betsy Palmer or, you know, Pamela Voorhees and, uh, Kirk Smith and even, um, Alex from, um, and all the, there's so many sleazy, gritty, crazy killers from 1980.
0: I think his is the one that's most grounded in reality, probably his really, feels like, um, you know, very like uh, sort of like drawn from pop psychology about, you know, a um, abused child turned serial killer. But his performance, he's just like with that chiseled face and the greasy hair, he just really rings true. You know, you really feel like The isolation of a um, of a tormented person who, you know, just really um, on the one hand can fit in and and cavort with the Caroline Monroe character, but just has this like deep mental illness that causes him to, you know, scalp people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's got the rare quality where he's got the Norman Bates where as disgusting as he is, even though Norman Bates is a much more handsome person, you feel bad for Joe Spinell. You kind of want him to pull through because you can see the abuse on his body. And uh, and I say like the character actors, usually when they get a starring role or a bigger role, they usually just knock it out of the park because they put so much into it. And I would compare this, although I, I know obviously Spinell's performance is unmatched, I think probably as far as the serial killer is concerned, maybe besides Michael Brooker. um, But uh, his his, uh, his improv, and stuff like they told it he just would off the cuff do that stuff like the Cracker Jack and and the stuff he would say it just adds that element of childlike behavior where you're like this feels legit it feels a little bit more legit than you know Kurt Smith who is one of my favorite performances but it's a kitchen sink approach where it's every reason why he's this guy
0: yeah I mean the analogy that this was Spinell's Rocky I think is a fair one I think like (laughs) this really is like the Joe Spinell show, you know, and um, you really feel like he's um, behind the movie in in so many ways, other than just being the central character. You know, he really believed in this movie, and it, um, you know, for a movie shot on sixteen millimeter in a year, as you're pointing out with this series, that um, was there's a lot of competition in 1980. But we're still obsessed with Maniac this many years later. It's one of my all time favorite films um, of any genre. I, I connect with it um, in ways that I don't always connect with or don't typically connect with works of art. I think it's just a uh, mind numbingly cool movie. And it, um, you know, starts out a little bit, um, not in its strongest point with the scene on the beach, but. Once it takes off, it takes off and never, never lets down. So,
1: yeah, I agree. I think the beach scene is not its most powerful moment, but it's a good way to hook the audience and It comes across way more as a slasher film. And then you're like, no, wait I'm going to spend the whole movie with this
0: fucking guy
1: <laughs> after that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, do you think the 16 millimeter actually helped? Because, I mean, they they tried to hide that it, it was 16 millimeter, but in, in general, I mean, it's got to be one of the cheapest movies in 4K at this point,
0: and besides Flesh Eater, right? Well, so you can't really tell when you watch it on video, but if you've ever seen it presented in 35 millimeter, which I have, it does have that look that 16 or Super 16 has, when blown up to 35 millimeter and it's a really cool look um but that's where it really does show um that it is um shot on 16 but as a cinephile that's just like a very specific look that is a lovable look i mean i, I like the look of 16 millimeter on video it can really be masked but theatrically you blow up 16 to 35 it has that really extra grainy look that um, can be quite cool. It can be like, um, you know, there's filmmakers who would choose to shoot that way. Lustig talks about that in his commentary that, oh, today I would have probably used a cam for this shot, but you know what? This works better for this movie, you know? Um, a lot of the movie's limitations um, technically, or budget, I shouldn't even say technical limitations, budgetary limitations, ended up with it having the aesthetic it has and that aesthetic is why we're still talking about the movie so um, it all worked out in the end the fact that they had to shoot on 16 is just um, icing on the cake I mean I'm glad it shot on 16.
1: yeah for sure I mean I if it was on 35 it would probably have cut the everything back right the facts and everything so I mean they begged and borrowed the deal to get all the money to make this film. Is, is there anything that, what I mean, as far as special effects, do you think that the, the head, head explosion is probably the best in there?
0: The head explosion is the best. I love the first scalping, just really. Um, it's just like the way that it's done, the slow, like, in-your-face nature of that effect is really, really cool. And I like the ending. I like the um, end of the film when, um, you know, this, like... Um, imagination of all the um, all the women getting their revenge on him is just like a really gory really well done scene that is one of my favorites so
1: i think that would be the definition of a fever dream right if, if i if you looked it up and i like that's where the influence i think from like deep red i guess they would take as the puppet but i see more hatchet for the honeymoon because that killer is that weird although that guy is a narcissistic kind of like prick in that movie well this joe Spinell has a sympathy to him but that ending is just it's it's completely bonkers Rewatching it i just was like man that really is powerful insane shit like it just takes over the whole scene and just it's it's so cool and, and just even the weird what the zoom did they just zoom in and cut out frames for that shot with the eyes you think at the very end i think yes
0: that's probably, yeah that's probably what they did yeah. but yeah no i um the kind of people who like poo poo a movie like maniac are not my people. Like you occasionally will encounter horror fans and their favorite movies are always like the stupidest fucking movies. Like, (laughs) um, and then like, and then I have to be the contrarian, but like, I mean, um, someone who thinks that maniac is just like a seedy, sick misogynistic, whatever, like, they can go fuck themselves. Like, this is high art, man. Like, this is cinema, the capital C. This is what we want to see. And um, just because you have a character that's a misogynist doesn't make the movie misogynistic. Like, and that's where Siskel and Ebert were so myopic and childlike in their thinking, but maniac is just the like it it's what I want to see. It's what I desire out of a movie. It's like almost a perfect film. I I really, I, the movies that made a huge impression on me as a kid are not the same ones. There's overlap with, you know, what any horror fans favorite movies are and what those of us who favor, you know, the um, darker side have as favorite movies. But I think it is really neat that this movie had such a wide net and was out in like, the mainstream and the way it was. You know, yeah. like And the poster art and even the tagline, like, you know, there's better taglines. So it gets kind of forgotten whenever people are talking about what their favorite taglines are. But the tagline and the trailer, I warned you not to go out tonight with like the, like, um,
1: you can child-like lock your doors. Yeah.
0: Handwriting, really cool, right? Like, um, great campaign, great um, slogan the poster art with the boner like the raging (laughs) like you see his package analysis films the distributors of the controversial box office hit Caligula now bring you a new challenge Maniac no horror that ever froze your blood no fear that ever inched its way up your spine no terror that ever pinned you sweating to your seat can prepare you for Maniac You can tell yourself there's nothing out there, but you know better. You can sense something stalking the dark streets, something dangerously out of control. You know a madman's out there, and what he's looking for is you. If you think you've seen it all, you haven't seen anything until you've met the challenge of Maniac. I told you not to go out tonight. (laughs) 17 admitted.
1: because they show he's impotent in the beginning too I mean like there's a lot of little like things in here that like movies would take and, and move on move forward like I, this one is like honestly it is one of the first attempts at showing a vicious killer but also giving you some psychology behind it and There were, like I said 80s started trying to do some of that I know that they do it a lot I like the psychological 70s movies where it's like damaged character you feel bad for that kind of snaps and kills four or five people like pigs or anything like that or dream no evil but uh, this one, it definitely mixed the elements. and It definitely has a carryover from the downbeat. 1980's a real downbeat year, but you're starting to invite all those really good effects in at the same time. So it's got like the 70s and 80s kind of merging at the best possible time. And you have the Italy, the Grindhouse shit just going into it too. So it's just, it's really cool shit.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people sometimes feel as though 1980 really still feels like the 70s cinematically. And I kind of disagree with that. I sort of, it feels like a bridge between 70s cinema and what's to follow. It's definitely its own thing. Movies are changing by 1980 for certain. And the 70s, they're like, th- this movie of course shares a lot of qualities with 70s movies, which is where that type of thinking comes into play. The bleakness, the moroseness, um, the movies reached there peak as far as like bleakness in the 70s and you know like every pencil neck critic wants to attribute that to the vietnam war and that's not the like um worst approach i mean i understand why they feel that that being on people's conscious consciousness the collective consciousness of our society is why cinema was so dark and bleak but there was a lot going on culturally in that time period and there was also the um freeing up at least in a, for the first few years um when the um rating system came into play and the idea that like movies could do whatever they wanted um you know before the self-censorship in the 80s started to get our ratings for movies but you know maniac didn't have like 12 cut versions out there you just had maniac you have maniac uncut from the beginning of time you know um, because it came out unrated so i think like besides the
1: downbeat stuff that there is that 70s aspect but the one aspect where it literally goes full like 70s gothic core is the scene in the cemetery where they're like it's they pumped the fog to ridiculous levels like this is a little bit hammer-esque you know euro kind of cult core stuff like in that sense like a carolyn monroe movie or something like that and and some people do kind of complain that they prefer the first act without you know this first two acts I guess you'll say they, they're they're lesser on the third act with Carolyn Monroe. Now, do you think that is the weakest part of the film, or do you think that shows a side to Joe Spinell that's a little bit better, or I mean, needed?
0: Well, I, I feel like most serial killers were are allegedly charismatic, and so you know, like um, it sort of shows how this like greasy guy can can mingle and how he gets access to these girls in the first place you know Mm -hmm. um but um yes they're prostitutes but you know um they're not running from this guy to begin with uh i know i mean i saw the movie for the first time so young that parts of it are difficult to look at objectively you know i know maniac like the back of my hand um I like his relationship with Caroline Monroe's character. Um, I've always found it to be believable. Some people don't. um, But I I think um, this is, like I said before, a rare, near-perfect film. I really, um, I I think it works from start to finish. How do you feel it stacks up against the other 1980 competition? Top five, top ten? Well, i haven't made a list myself but it's up there i mean there it's not um it might be in the top five um it's in the top 10 for sure as you were talking about horror movies from 1980 i mean i haven't looked yet at um at a list um but just thinking off the top of my head you know certain favorites certain personal favorites of mine are from 1980 like house on the edge of the park cannibal Holocaust, um, I put maniac, um, slightly above, like, don't answer the phone. Um, I probably put, um, what's another 80 movie that I love. Oh, well there's the full Um, yeah. Uh, I probably would say this is top five. There's another 80. What's another 81 that's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, another movie from 1980. That is a personal favorite is mother's day. Um, that's 1980,
1: correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got a lot of Italian stuff too. Cannibal Apocalypse and then Alligator. There's a lot of different Inferno, The Fog, Friday, the Changeling. There's just so much of a variety too, which is insane because you got the slitty, like the sleazy, gritty stuff, and you got the classy stuff. You got
0: everything you would want, really. The problem with Changeling is the opening credit sequence is like one of the greatest things, like in film history and the rest of the film doesn't quite live up to that i love i love that movie but that opening is just oh my god it's one of the it's best pretty, yeah
1: it's pretty defeating like i mean it's a classy movie like that's the movie that if somebody was like all you watch is trash i'd be like we'll watch the changeling and then you know like it, maybe it's not personal favorite but it's objectively a great movie you know I, i'm i'm trash bags, so like my favorite stuff's all the italian stuff and then like the crazy crazy I feel like most of my list is going to be video nasties I feel you know what I mean it would be very similar um but yeah I mean like as as far as 1980 where would you stack it against you know the rest of the horror years I mean 70s 80s like 87 whatever I mean is it got to be top tier for you 1980
0: as a year or maniac 1980 yeah 1980 is a good year um I, I don't know I mean the 70s really is when a lot of my favorite movies were made and/ or came out. The truth about 1982 though like 1980 is really where you know we we um, most people get their dates for older movies like from the IMDB but like they weren't as far as, as when movies were actually released. Like these days, I'm every year when I put on my top movies of the year was someone wants to argue with me about is a movie properly on that list. And I know what I'm doing. Like I'm putting a movie on a list based on its first U.S. commercial release, you know. Yeah. Um, and so which is not usually or not or oftentimes not what the IMDb has listed. And so like an example of a 1980 movie that most people put in another year would be I Spit on Your Grave like it did come out briefly in 78 under another title that was its first u.s release but nobody saw it until it came out in 1980 as i spit on your grave so you know that's really when the movie was released as we know it today but um i digress we,
1: we have to follow a certain way because it's the only we have to follow suit on it or it just gets crazy. So we go by Internet Movie Database for the most part. But then even then, like if we do like we are, they already did 86 without me. Dolls was originally listed as 87, but now it's 86. So when we do 87, you're going to have to squeeze Dolls in there because Dolls is a good enough movie to possibly make somebody's top 10. But yeah. so we have to follow the internet movie database, but, but we know hell of the living dead and stuff like that. And these movies were made released in Italy or fucking whatever. Right, As long place. as you're
0: not following it for like recent years, because it's really, well, you can't
1: do recent years.
0: It's not right for recent years. Um, I have a sad story about the movie dolls. I'll make it short. So um, I know that that's not what we're talking about right now. That's fine. But it's a good little story. So when I was a kid, there was this four screen general cinema multiplex in my hometown where one of the screens at basically all times was showing a horror movie or an exploitation movie. And I got to see a lot of cool shit in middle school there. Like that's where I saw the nest and the outing. And that's where I saw nightmare at shadow woods, also known as blood rage. And, um, you know, a movie plays from Friday to Thursday, that's your opportunity. Occasionally there's an off release, especially in summer months that opens on a Wednesday. But basically, if a movie opens on Friday, you have at least till the following Thursday to see it, right? Well, so um, Dolls opens on a Friday. And I'm excited. But um, the few people who are my, like, movie buddies, none of them are available to go see Dolls that weekend. So, fine. On Monday, I'm going to go see Dolls with my friend. Um, My mom picks up my friend. We get to the theater. They fucking pulled Dolls. They only showed it for the weekend. And no one came, and, like, they pulled Dolls, so I didn't get to see it. And it was very, very sad. Um, That was, like, a lot of heartache for young Ardent during middle school. Um, I felt sick to my stomach over knowing that Dolls had played theatrically in my town, and I didn't get to see it. I'm still upset about it.
1: (laughs) That's kind of like the feeling... When you have when I was a kid, I used to have nightmares where you wake up and it's like Halloween in your dream, and it's Halloween starts at six or whatever. It's already seven ten, and you run outside, and you're like, this fucking, I'm not even dressed yet," and you just uh, have that panic, that, that sinking feeling, like I'm missing out on Halloween.
0: Like I, I think, like,
1: yeah. Um, how, how did Carolyn Monroe like the film years later? Did she appreciate it or?
0: She really, she really does. She, um, she loved Joe, and she loves Lustig. She's not really, she's always quick to point out that she's not really connected to the more extreme scenes in the movie. But no, she um, loves the movie. She's really proud to have been part of it. And she's cool. Caroline's like um, very, very sweet. Very, um, you know, in tune with um, with the fans. Um, really is, um, you know... As far as people you can meet at a convention, she's just so genuine and fans love her for, you know, the attention she gives them. But one of the things about doing a DVD featurette is the interview subject is told to look not at the camera, but at the interviewer. Yeah. So when I did my interview with Caroline for the maniac Blu-ray, or I think it was DVD at the time when it first came out, um, like imagine sitting in a room for 30 minutes and you're making direct eye contact with Caroline Monroe. That was um, a lot for me. So that was, you know, quite exciting. Even at that age, just because I grew up adoring her. So yeah.
1: Didn't want to go all Chris Farley uh, show on her. I feel like that would be very hard to do with some people just like remember when you, you know, that kind of stuff in there for sure. Um, So thinking about the movie a little bit more is there, is there anything else you wanted to say I, I like the score too the score's got a weird melancholy to it that's just like it's synthy kind of but it's also different enough to like stand yeah. out
0: not to the, the score is cool they originally wanted goblin to do it they yeah. did this instead and it does have a similar vibe in some respects you know it's one of the first movies in dolby yeah. um and the, and that's an interesting fact um the fact that they had the guts to steal the locations they did it really has a renegade feel to it you can feel the urgency you know they're like shooting in the subway with randy jurgensen on hand in case any um cops give them a hard time you need permits to shoot in central park or to shoot on the subway and they just stole the shots which you know a lot of filmmakers did back then and still do today but i think that that's one of the um the things that plays really um well in the movie not just because they got the locations but i think it just like probably adds to the urgency of um of it it's uh it's a tightly constructed movie it's very well edited very well put together it's a great looking movie the supporting cast including the victims are all good um but yeah i um I get downright angry at detractors of a movie like maniac like i um i would agree i I hate that shit if you
1: don't like the movie i don't know why but at the same time if you're trying to dismiss it because women are killed in the movie here's what it is never at one point did that movie make you dislike the women themselves you genuinely feel sorry for almost every single human being in this movie I, I, I the prostitute in the beginning, like I genuinely felt bad for her. Like I never was like kill her, kill her. you know what I mean? Like that's just that's this them putting themselves on that stuff. And, and most of the time they don't watch the movies and go and, and they just complain about them. And going back to Cisco and Ebert having that outrage or something, what the thing is 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 outrage sells. No one, it, it, what have I've ever learned in my life is ninety percent of people don't give a shit about anything except just being left alone and doing their thing but if somehow they can outrage the public and sell it to that kind of angle, it somehow it, it, I don't know, it puts people on a mission and they love the drama of it or something like that. But I have a hard time believing Siskel and Ebert really gave a shit. I just feel like they made it their mission because they were bored. And when it came to horror films for the most part, or comedies, I never listened to a word they said because our tastes never lined up and it is what it is. I mean, Siskel. I never lined up with Cisco he fucking sucks <laughs> I was like, you know what I mean like and they never really said anything there's a lot better analysts out there than those two
0: they popularized film criticism though yeah. and they made like um even if I disagreed with what they had to say which was almost always just the fact that people were talking about movies you know like yeah yeah that's not a it's not a cool thing to do you know like People talk about whatever like the latest blockbuster is, but they talked about art house movies and weird movies. And, you know, like, yeah, they didn't like the movies I liked, but it was cool that there was a way to keep up even with what was coming out theatrically. I watched every iteration of it to the end, like in the end, after um, they both died, the show was still on in some form with like um, this critic and that critic. And, you know, I there's always been. I watched the show where well, there were different critics on it and Siskel and Ebert had their own thing. Um, they were competing shows for a while. Um, but yeah, no, I, um, I like movie reviews. I like to read like mainstream reviews and I can usually tell from those reviews if I'm going to like a movie or not, even if the, you know, I can tell the critics full of shit. I'm like, Oh, I'll probably like that movie or, um, I, yeah, I'm not always right, but like I'm usually like of the movies I see, I like the majority of them. So I'm picking the right ones somehow.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. Like most people should just, you know, bring the movie up, compare it to other things, say some things about it and just see if the person that's listening is interested in it. That's really kind of as as far as also I should mention that they did give a lot of love to Last House on the Left. Otherwise, um, well, Ebert did or that wouldn't have been what it was. And, uh, they did give love to Henry. So, I mean, Henry wouldn't be what it was without that either. So, I mean, that's back in the day when somebody could say something and just kind of nowadays, it's just people that haven't seen movies on Twitter talking shit about Serbian film or something like
0: that. and 90% of the hey, people... movies can be hurt by, um, yeah. current climates. And, you know, we think we live in like such a free country and like, you know, the new Tom six movies not getting released here anytime soon. Like there's like, um, some people in high places who were upset by it, and um, so far, not so good as far as that getting released here. So, and,
1: and the Serbian film director, he's done. He's been, he's not going to be able to ever make another fucking movie. And it's not even the movie itself. I don't think it's the reaction that people just. And then I'm, I bet ninety percent of those people never even watched that movie. Yeah. And anybody you know, you know for a fact that there's when you dig under that surface just a little bit, there's so much worse stuff and stuff where people were probably actually hurt for real. So, I mean, that's just horseshit. Uh, Sometimes movies, because they're effective and they do a good job at what they do, take more punishment than the movies that like, for a fact, like cannibal Ferox, it, it, it doesn't kill as many animals as Holocaust, but it's shoddy. It, it's much more shoddy film. It is. Let's be honest. I love it, but it's shoddy compared to Holocaust and Holocaust takes more heat for sure. I mean, the sea turtle, but still, I'm you know what I'm saying? Right.
0: Talk about 16, mil- so I used to book movies briefly, and I booked a theatrical double bill of Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox, and Cannibal Ferox is shot in 16, whereas Holocaust is largely shot in 35, with some of the scenes being in 16, but like um, the production quality of those two movies, night and day, oh, like, yeah. you can't really tell that on home video, but Ferox is a cheap-looking movie. Be compared to holocaust just because of that fact that it's 16 blown up
1: well that's it's funny you brought those two i mean those two are always compared together i saw those when i was 15 years old back to back in my bedroom i watched yeah. holocaust followed by Ferox. And after that, I, th- I, I said after I watched Cannibal Holocaust, it was, everything was like shifted. And stuff like Maniac, I, I probably saw Maniac, honestly, probably around 12, 13 years old, probably around the same age you were, you know, whenever I could get my grubby hands on it from a uh, rental or something like that. But uh, yeah, stuff like Ferox and Holocaust was kind of stuff like Holocaust wasn't in the video stores at all. And Ferox no. was like, you see the cover to make them die slowly. And mom's like, my mom's like, I don't fucking think so. Not, I'm going to say no on that one, you know? Not my mom. <laughs> I I broke them down eventually to the point where I was just ordering movies online and they just were like we can't stop this kid. At about 13,
0: 14 they just gave up and it was everything. Um I want to fact check this cannibal hole this cannibal ferox shot on 16 millimeter thing. I've been saying I don't want to be the douchebag who gets something that big wrong, but it is, right? It shot on 16. I'm not 100%. 30.
1: I I would have not said 16 but i remember i've always seen it on blu-ray and dvd and, and uh, bootleg yeah VHS I, i'm was.
0: pretty i'm pretty sure but we're gonna find out um but in any event um when i saw it theatrically it looks much cheaper than cannibal holocaust and i think that's why but I'm, um
1: I'm, I'm wondering now eaten alive was definitely not 16 that's another Lindsay one from that year from the year before, yeah. from the same year as Holocaust, and I mean Jungle Holocaust. That that's a deal What's the other? Um, he had a, the man from Deep River. That's earlier, way earlier. I'm just thinking of that, and that's got to be seventies. I'm, I'm just wondering why they would shoot in sixteen millimeter, just cheaper. I'm pretty the, sure.
0: That I mean, I believe cannibal, Fear. That Cannibal Ferox is shot on Super sixteen millimeter. Um, but I'm gonna check. It looks way ch-
1: cheaper. I mean, like e- even even like. The dialogue yeah. and stuff plays more like I would. This is going to sound weird, and I don't mean it like this. If Night of the Living Dead is Cannibal Holocaust, Return of the Living Dead is Cannibal Ferox. Although Return of the Living Dead is a much more intelligent movie than Cannibal Ferox because it, it plays on you know Night of the Living Dead brilliantly. To me, I, that's me. And, but I mean, Cannibal Ferox, I guess, plays on Cannibal Holocaust. But then we have that whole argument between Lindsay versus diodato Lindsay making the first Cannibal movie, and then diodato making the best one. To be honest, that's was my opinion but you
0: know what I'm saying? um,
1: One's a little bit more serious.
0: Yeah. No cannibal fear is, um, a movie that I adore. Um, I'm not one of these, like so bad. It's good people. In fact, I hate, I hate the so bad it's good mentality, but cannibal fear is not the, um, artistic triumph that cannibal holocaust (laughs) is, you know, like I can defend either movie, but, um, in a different way, you know. Like, I'm not going to pretend that like Cannibal Ferox is high art in the way that I'm going to. Yeah, um, I agree. Say that Cannibal Holocaust is.
1: Um, mm-hmm. The score in Ferox alone is better than most movies. So. And,
0: they're and Giovanni Lombardo Radice is just fucking hilarious in it. Um, his performance is just so over the top. But.
1: Yeah, and eight his genitals line is is my favorite. And the amazing amazing um so, so do you have anything else to say about maniac I, I like i said i mean everybody talks about the same stuff like the gore and this and the performance but i mean it's also well done and everything it's hard to not bring that stuff up
0: i think it's um it's a very specifically new york movie like it's got that like um it's just at every turn, you're aware of that particular setting. Um, you know, and there's the corny, like, overused by film critics or, or literary critics that, oh, the setting is almost a character. In the... Um, but yeah, I mean, the city of New York is very much a character in that movie. Um, <laughs> and it, it very much captures, um, you know, 1980 Manhattan in a way that not every movie of that time period from New York does, you know? So.
1: so and also, I mean, Lustig is one of the guys that like, I, I'd never been to New York. So I'm basing this on my knowledge of most of most of my knowledge in life is based on film. It's just watching movies and everything. So I know that's not a good thing to say, but it, it is, it is true. You know what I mean? A lot of it, you know, watching. So like when I, when I just think of New York movies, I think Lustig and I think of Bel Ferreira and I think um, Penelotter. Or Heenan-Lotter, yeah. Those are the three that come to mind almost immediately. And Larry Cohen, those four, I think, are the ones that come to mind. Abel, yeah,
0: Abel, Ferrara, Spike Lee. Um, but, um, yeah, no, there's um, – I've spent a lot of time in New York. A um, big part of my family lives there. And it just – I remember when the trains were all covered in graffiti like that. They're not anymore. Yeah. But, um, no, Maniac really um, – there's those outtakes of Spinel walking around 42nd Street. It would be nice if some of that ended up in the actual movie. They're really cool. And then I can't remember the title, but he walks by a theater that's showing one of the movies that one of the adult movies that Bill Lustig directed. Uh, and like no one involved knew that, you know, like none of them knew like, Oh, that's a Bill Lustig movie. Bill Lustig wasn't there. It was like um, someone else was shooting that footage with um that test footage with with spinel which i think is amusing so
1: that was his friend he was on one of the commentary tracks mentioned that his, right. they would go out at night and film when everybody else was sleeping um so so i'm thinking about that um do you know any of the titles have you ever seen any lustig's uh, pornographic films
0: are they available? i have i have but i'm like rusty right this second i'm not going to be able to um yeah i've seen a couple um are they decent? Yeah, there. I find the adult films that were made. So I'm not a huge consumer or expert on classic porn, but like the first deep—it's <laughs> a terrible term to use when talking about porn. First deep dive I took was um, when I found out that certain directors I loved had made adult movies. There was still a lot of um, places you could buy porn tapes when I found this out. So I went and found the Abel Ferrara hardcore movie. I went and found the Wes Craven hardcore movie. I watched all the Roger Watkins hardcore movies. And in that, um, in that hunt, I came across a couple of, um, of the Lustig movies as well. You know, Danny Steinman directed a hardcore movie. And it just seems to me that if you um, know about these particular directors, when you watch their adult movies, There's always some connection, some something of interest in the um, in the movie where you're like, okay, well, there we go. This is how, you know, it's directed by Bill Lustig or this is how, you know, it's a Wes Craven film. Um, So
1: has different kinds of booby traps in that one. That is correct. (laughs) That was correct. That was pretty bad joke, but um, I liked it. So as uh, as far as uh, Maniacs' future, how, how do you think this movie? I mean, like it's so hard to tell what a cult classic will be that's made recently or anything like that. But how far do you think Maniacs gonna go? Do you think it'll go on until the test of time until we're all gone out of this planet?
0: It's already proven that it will. I think that when you're talking about okay, like you said, uh, how many movies are in your rewatch of 1981, 60 or something? A lot um, of
1: them are first time watches, but but i'm looking at my list and it's going to be we're going to do a top 25 because it's such a strong year and most of our top 10 will be predictable it's going to be very hard to have any first-time watches in that top 25 because there's so much good stuff
0: yeah i mean um for maniac to stick out this many years later i think it's stood the test of time that's a competitive year and um we're like talking about it still now i mean I've seen a lot of movies since I've seen Maniac for the first time when I was in, you know, middle school or whatever. And um, I would just like to say that as much as I was criticizing people who do their research on the IMDb, according to the IMDb, Cannibal Ferox was shot on 16 millimeter. So that doesn't mean that's correct. Does not mean that's correct. But just as um, I believe it was shot on 16, they believe that as well. I think it was. Uh, I'm a little rusty right now, but it does say 16. It doesn't say Super 16. It is. I mean, just because of the dimensions, yeah, it would have to be. Um, I think. I believe it's shot on Super 16 millimeter, which is not what it says here, but um, yeah.
1: So, so one final question: Do you th- where do where do you put Maniac in Lustig's
0: catalog of directed films? Maniac, as far as movies, Bill Lustig directed. Oh, but there's absolutely no question it is the best movie he's directed. I like a lot of his movies. Um, uh, I, I think that Bill Lustig is a great director. I really like what his other contributions have been. You know, everybody um, singles out certain directors who contributed through, like, other um, other facets, like Lauder's involvement in Something Weird video and in, like, reviving so many great titles or Tarant what Tarantino's done. But um let's not poo-poo what Bill Lustig has done with Blue Underground. Um but no I mean Lustig's a great director. I'm trying to think if there's a movie of his I don't like. Can't think of one. But um no Maniac far and away. Maniac is um Bill Lustig's greatest movie. Yeah uh, I would agree.
1: but people will say he was he was responsible when anchor bay was releasing a lot of those uh, euro horror films it was lustig who pushed that to be brutally honest if it weren't for william lustig doing that i watched all those movies when they hit dvd a lot of them at 12 13 14 years old and that basically formed my second half of my horror like you know i had stuff before that that i loved, but that basically formed my other half of my horror films that i loved and if it weren't for that, then I don't think that a lot of people would be so obsessed with Italian horror in the United States of America currently. I mean, some of the older people would. But my my age and younger probably wouldn't be.
0: He's a really, really important contributor. And, um, you know, he's like, um, he's a he, he's a very film savvy guy. I don't think that people give him his due credit. Besides being a great filmmaker, he has contributed a lot. Um, and th- he doesn't um, just different labels have taken different approaches. Um, he's not like a quantity guy. He's doing the best he can to um, to to release like high quality. You know, that's what it's about. It's about quality over quantity. So um But yeah, I'm looking at the list of movies he directed. It's really not as many as I remembered. I've seen all of them, including they only have um, two of his hardcore movies listed here. I don't know if there's more, but I've seen both of these. Um, least I think I have. The Maniac Cop films were great. I remember seeing the original in a rowdy theater as a kid. That was fun. Um, But yeah, I know he's Maniac's his best film.
1: I think Hit List is the only movie I haven't seen by him, but I, I have a sealed VHS I bought when I was 13 years old and never watched the fucking thing. is, is very much something I would do. But, I mean, is that how is Wish Hit List?
0: It's not so, a bad movie. That's the one with Jan Michael Vincent, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool film. That's got to be um, the most
1: obscure, right?
0: Yeah, besides the hardcore ones, I would say. Um, I, I would say Hit List is... Um, yeah, the um, you know, especially because um, you know, Vigilante has been available, Relentless has been available. Yeah, yeah.
1: definitely. I don't think Hitlist ever made it off VHS, to be honest.
0: I don't think so. I'm not certain. Um, but um, yeah, it says that he directed something called The Expert, Uncredited. I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure what that is either, to be honest. Yeah. I've never heard of it.
1: Uh, the, one yeah. more, the one more funny thing I, I should mention just before we get out of here is, is, you know, Joe Spinell really doesn't have a good track record as far as films are concerned. His characters with prostitutes. I mean, you got this. And then, of course, Cruisin'. Um, not very nice to prostitutes, to be honest. Um, I mean, of course, I'm going to rewatch Cruising too for 1980. I mean, that's a that's a great movie and a great Spinell performance too. And just the way it ties in at the very end is just amazing. So, Uh,
0: Spinell, um, I you just even in Rocky where he's just very momentarily, just like in the movie, um, he really steals the show in his scenes. He's just so seedy and cool and like, those bad cops at the beginning of Cruising, that really sets the tone for the movie, you know?
1: And he's more and, of a misogynist in that movie than he is in, in uh, Maniac, if you hear the way he talks. You know, he's, it's almost like he has this closet case cop that hates his wife because he can't deal with his own sexuality. And that's another movie that got shit on, I think, because people wrongfully kind of interpreted it.
0: Well, well and what was interesting about the controversy surrounding Cruising was, I don't really think, I think it was um, a knee-jerk reaction from higher-ups in certain organizations more than like real people. Like, I think like as soon as like the gay community en masse was able to see Cruising, I think it became pretty quick um, classic of um, gay-themed cinema. I just think like, you know, some of the people in charge of bigger organizations had some concerns about it. And before the movie came out, we're very vocal about it. But then I don't think like real, the real guy on the street in the gay community who saw that movie was upset by it. And if, you know, today we hear so much about how much representation matters. You have the, um, the neighbor character who lives in the building. who's like a rare, just like normal gay person in a movie, which like in 1980 was not very common, you know? Um, Yeah not very common at all so. and, and
1: like we talked about earlier most people don't give a shit it's, it's somebody with some bullshit fake outrage garbage that no one you know and like a, one more thing about Spinell and uh, two more movies that I'm going to rewatch is Forbidden Zone which is a fucking batshit crazy movie and he's got a very funny performance in that and of course The Nine Configuration where he another batshit crazy movie where he has an absolutely hilarious performance so busy man he's got to be the man in 1980 I think
0: he definitely was busy 1980 and it would have been interesting had he survived to see what he would have done into the nineties, you know? Well, um,
1: Maniac Cop too, right? I mean, Maniac, well,
0: yeah. Maniac too. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think there would have been a lot more Spinell and he was liked, you know, like, um, like I I've never heard anyone mm-hmm. say anything bad about him. So I think he would have also kept the character acting in, um, Pretty mainstream movies. You know, we would have seen a lot of him. And, um, you know, if he were alive today, he'd be in a lot of these cable miniseries, TV serials. Like, I think he'd be very active still. So, I
1: I feel like people like him and Warren Oates would have been used in, like, Tarantino movies right away and stuff. Oh, yeah. And they would have killed it. They would have been so good because they, I don't even, I feel like sometimes those guys didn't even act. Like, they didn't even fucking try and they were just good. I don't know how to explain that. If that makes any sense i'm sure they did a lot of hard work but i don't know they just seemed like they were just so good at everything and they you know they partied like fucking maniacs too
0: absolutely so
1: i mean thanks thanks for doing this if you have any last words or anything coming Anytime. up that you want to talk about no i mean my
0: my last words are just like rewatch maniac and if um if you're the type of horror fan who like you know maniac isn't for you that's fine just like don't um don't talk to me um you know like i I don't want to know you and um you know uh i don't you know you're an embarrassment you're an embarrassment to the rest of us so you know go go watch i'm not going to insert a title because then you know i'll alienate like half of your audience but um no the shit that people like just like stand by is like classics and then they're going to shit on something like maniac It doesn't doesn't work for me. So I agree. Anyway,
1: thanks for doing it
0: again. Anytime, man. Thank you.